Welcome to Courageous Leadership with Travis Yates, where leaders find the insights, advice, and encouragement they need to lead courageously. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so glad you decided to join us, and I will be extremely honest with you right up front. This may be the one episode that isn't for you. Let me explain. If you've run across us and you have never thought about or wanted to go back to school, maybe go back and get higher education, such as a bachelor's degree or a graduate degree, and that's just not in your wheelhouse, you have no desire to do that, then this is probably not something to listen to. Uh, so you can just tune out and go find you another episode to listen to or find something else to do. I apologize, but I thought it was important to address this uh, for a myriad of reasons. I recently got out of school. I completed a doctorate degree. I spent four and a half years doing that. Had up to seven years to complete it, but at some point I decided I better hurry this thing up because this is extremely stressful. And uh, I was concerned that if I did not just hammer down, I was not going to finish. And so I'm very fortunate to be done with that. But I thought it was important to address my experience with that and, and how I made that decision and what I think that will do for someone in general in law enforcement and why it may be for you or maybe not for you, not particularly a doctor degree, but just a degree in general. And so if, if you have at all thought about maybe you're a few hours short of that bachelor's degree, you have an associate's degree and you want to get another degree or you just want to get something somewhere in school, I want to sort of tell you about my journey because it had been 20 years since I'd been in school, at least 20 years. And it was a pretty big leap of faith for me. And I wasn't sure at the time, you know, really what to expect because obviously school has changed a lot since 1992 when I graduated with my bachelor's degree. I mean, it's pretty dramatic change that's happening at the universities, especially how they deliver courses. But before I talk about that, the question always comes up with, does getting a degree make you a better police officer? And we've heard this from time to time. There's been a few states that have initiated a requirement to get a degree before they can hire police officers. There's some departments that make you get a degree before you become a police officer. I think probably when I came on 30 years ago, it was very rare uh, that a college degree was required. And probably today, the norm for some agencies is probably an associate's degree. There's a few more that require a bachelor's degree. And of course, there's still departments that don't require any degree. And this comes up a time or two. And first off, let me just answer the question based on my experience of being in law enforcement for 30 years and meeting thousands and thousands of police officers across the country and doing a ton of research on various topics, I think the answer is a little more complicated than just a certain research study can tell you. Because being a successful law enforcement professional, someone that is providing a service to the community and is really has very little to do with higher education. It has more to do with just being a good person. It has more to do with just being someone of high integrity and high character. It has more to do with somebody with just common sense. I've seen the gamut of it. I've seen people with a lot of education that were terrible at this job, and I've seen people with 
a GED that were great at this job. So it really is a complicated question. First, the pros about college. I think in many sense it doesn't hurt, right? I think what college really should be doing for people is giving them a wide diversity of ideas, sort of opening their mind to the world and letting them be able to think a little more logically about things other than just the way I was raised or just the people I hung out. Because inevitably, when you're in that university environment, you're going to meet people from all races, uh, all groups, rich, poor, middle class, you name it. You're going to be around a lot of different people, and that should technically help you out as a person. Now, that's not always the case, but in my experience, I believe it probably did. And does that translate to a better police officer? Well, I think if that's what college was for you, it certainly has the potential to translate to a, poli- a good police officer, which should have an open mind, which should have some empathy for people of all races, colors, ethnicities, backgrounds, occupations, you name it. Now, that's probably biased because that's the way I feel like school did for me. But certainly there are people that go to school that certainly don't come out of school with that. In fact, the universities across the country, certainly there are some that don't even provide that diversity of thinking. Uh, my, I've got two kids in college now. One's about to graduate, but the one's about to graduate has very shown me all kinds of stuff they've been made to do that doesn't seem like it's building an open mind. It seems like you're going to agree with the professor or else. So I think the experiences are wide-ranging. And so you may want to go to school just because it was a, a passion of yours, something you intended to do, and, and life happened, and you're wanting to get back to it. Maybe, you know, it was a promise to your parents, whatever it is, or maybe you think it's going to help you. I say you need to go for it, but I don't think it is the catch-all, be-all of being in law enforcement. And some of the studies have been out there. I've seen these through the years, and one particular study I can recall was that you know, the headline was college-educated police officers use less force. And that's pretty dumb when you think about it. First off, there's a little dirty secret in academic research, and I found this out in my doctoral program because I've had to read a ton of it, is you can kind of drive research to whatever answer you want. And I'll give you an example. I'll, I'll go to an easy one, the pharmaceutical industry. Most people don't know this, but the studies that go into whether a drug is going to be approved or not approved, most of those studies, if not all of those studies, are financed by the actual pharmaceutical companies that want the drug on the market. That's how they make money. So if you're a research researcher or research team and you're getting millions of dollars from a pharmaceutical company to research their drug, there's a pretty good likelihood you'll be able to give them an answer that they want. Now, I'm not saying there's you know criminals in the pharmaceutical company. But if I was saying it, it would certainly just be my opinion. But a lot of research is like that. And I, when I see this research, you know, college-educated police officers use less force. Well, there's, there's, it goes a lot deeper than that. First off, if you're, if you're studying across agencies, for instance, you're studying an agency that has officers with no education versus an agency with more education – Well, the use of force guidelines may be completely different. So what may be considered force in one agency may not be force in another agency. There are agencies right now that are saying when you handcuff somebody, it's force. That's dumber than a box of rocks, but who am I to judge? I mean, it's just dumb, right? That's obviously not force. 
But there are many agencies that are doing that because people that aren't in law enforcement demand they do that. And when they do that, then the people that aren't in law enforcement go, see, we told you you're using more force this year than you were last year. It's just a game, right? So it's really hard to tell. The other thing is, if I was in the same agency, or even you can get across agencies, and you could take 100 officers and separate them across the city in different areas, you can't compare officer to officer on use of force because one officer may be working in an area where there's more arrests being made because there's more crime being committed. While an officer may be in a neighborhood where there's very few arrests made, when there's very few arrests made, very few force is used because force is used on people we arrest. And so you can't really compare that either. So I think that's a pretty silly thing to say, and we've had some people say that across the country. I've seen some of those articles and headlines, and I just don't, I don't, think, it, I don't think it's appropriate. And I think anybody that could actually read this study and read what went into it would probably come to the same conclusion. And with, with that said, though, do I, does I think, do I think college uh, hurts you? Though? I don't think it does. Uh, but I do think this. I think there's a downside to it. So if a agency says, hey, you have to have a degree before you can work for us, and a kid goes to college and he doesn't really work in college, maybe he parties for four years, and he comes out, his first job's a police officer. Is that kid going to be a better police officer than the guy that maybe got out of high school, went to the military, he has a series of three or four jobs where he was an excellent employee. He showed some responsibility in life and then became a police officer. Obviously, that guy has a much more likelihood of success than the college kid that never had a job. So I think it is holistic. I think it is uh, you have to look at the whole picture. But I will say this. What is much more important for anyone in law enforcement is who they are, not what piece of paper they have on the wall. So that kind of answers that question. And let me just sort of explain my reasoning for go back to school and what that experience was like. Because I want to encourage you that if this is a thought in your mind, that you should really pursue it because you're not getting any younger, right? And so here's my story. I got a bachelor's degree in actually December of 1991. And that was really probably because of the way I was raised. I was raised in a household with parents that put a preeminence on education. It was never a question. You're going to college. And uh, that's what I did. In fact, I think my dad's words were, you either go to college and get a degree or you can move out of the house and get a job. And moving out of the house and get a job did not really appeal to me at the time. And so that's what I did. And I uh, got out of college. I had some jobs in college and went into law enforcement at the age of 21. Uh, pretty crazy to think about it, but that's what happened. So at 21, I'm, I'm in law enforcement. At 22, I'm on the streets on my own. So uh, that's, that's kind of where that was. And so I was, I'm here I'm working, uh, you know, I have the illustrious Tuesday and Wednesday off, uh, working evening shift, and I'm just kind of bored. Uh, I hadn't met my wife yet. It's kind of, a, I didn't know anybody in this city. I moved to this city for this job, and I said, you know what? The guy that, uh, my, kind of my mentor, his name was Dr. Bill Heck at the college I went to. Uh, he is teaching a master's program right here where I'm working. So I looked into the master's program. It was on Tuesday and Wednesday night where when the classes were. you got to remember, this is, 1993-ish, four-ish, where you had to actually go to class to get a degree. You couldn't just log into a computer. And um, so I was, like I said, I was just like, I'll just go back and, you know, get to hang out with Dr. Heck. And he was a kind of fun guy. I liked him as a professor. And I started to go into class to get a master's degree. And uh, three years later, I ended up with a master's degree. I had to go uh, 
I had to travel uh, to a board and be interviewed and go through all this stuff to get this degree. I don't think it's that extensive now. And Dr. Heck was sort of the final guy that said yes or no. And he says, hey, congratulations. And he told me at the time, and this would have been 96, 97, he said, I want you to go get a doctorate in criminal justice. I said, why would you tell me that? He said, I've been in law enforcement three or four years. I really enjoy it. He says, and this was early on, like there are doctorate programs all over the place in criminal justice, but back then there just wasn't. I think Sam Houston State University was kind of the place you had to go to to get this. He says, well, there's really a shortage of academics in criminal justice. And he sort of saw the future. He says, I think we need more people, and I think you'd be a great candidate for it. I said, well, I'm interested, Bill. I mean, what do I need to do? He goes, we need to quit your job. Leave your family, move to Houston, Texas, and in four years, I'll congratulate you with your doctorate degree. And I go, yeah, that doesn't really work for me. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sort of set what I'm doing now. I don't think I ever expected to have a master's degree. I think I kind of want to just go back to work and do my thing. And uh, Dr. Heck ended up passing away uh, several years later in a motorcycle accident. And uh, that was always in the back of my mind. And uh, I think probably just, you know, being raised in a family that stressed education. So about five years ago, probably six years ago, uh, you know, anybody that gets 24, 25, 26 years on in any job, they're thinking, okay, what's the next thing, right? What is, what am I going to do after this job? And my default was education. I just thought, man, that's got to help me, right? If I just further my education, think about what I'm going to do after this career, because everybody in law enforcement should be thinking about that. I mean, think we sort of, we sort of think this is who we are and this is what we do. But what you don't realize is, is you know, if you're fortunate, you'll be in your late forties, early fifties, and you'll be retired from law enforcement, and you still have some life to live. Hopefully, so you ought to be thinking about that. And that's what I was doing. I was just sort of pondering. You know, uh, I think I was forty-five, forty-six years old. I'm like, man, you know, probably at best I got five, six, seven, eight years left. What's next? And so the default for me was, let's look at education. By that time, if you've been following me, I'd already launched uh, Courageous Police Leadership. I was doing seminars across the country. I was writing a bunch of articles on that. And I was really deep into leadership stuff. And uh, so getting another degree in criminal justice, I already had two of them, was not an option. So I thought, you know what, this has to help maybe in a number of ways. So I started looking around at universities. And, of course, it had changed dramatically since I had been to school. Uh, I think 97 was when I graduated with my graduate degree. And uh, so we're well past 20 years at this point. And, and I had some sort of check boxes here, right? Like I, it had to meet certain standards. I wasn't just going to go to any school. So this is kind of my personal check box. You can think of your own. So it had to be right for me. Because this, in my mind, was not a have-to thing. This was just maybe a personal goal that I was wanting to achieve. So number one, it had to be completely online. I did not want to go sit in a classroom. I'm very busy. I couldn't see that as being something I wanted to do or I would be able to accomplish. So I needed it to be very convenient for my schedule. And fortunately, we live in an era where that is out there. And I think at one point, uh, many years ago, an online degree was not seen as the same as going to school. But every school has those now. I mean, you're, the Ivy League schools have online, online classes. And pretty much every school out there is doing this online. And in some respects, going online is much more difficult because you have to almost really schedule your own time and be much more responsible with that than just, oh, I know I need to show up at this day and go to class. And you're really not – the professor doesn't really hold your hand through this like many on-ground classes may do. So it had to be online just for convenience. 
Number two, it had to be something to do with leadership. So that was my interest. And so there's a, a limited amount of leadership doctorates out there. You've got some organizational management stuff. You've got strategic leadership stuff. You've got some stuff that's past the MBA. So, but there's a handful of those out there that I thought would be really beneficial in what I like to talk about, what I like to teach, and things like that. But then thirdly, probably the most difficult for me was expense. I had, at the time, a kid about to go to college. Uh, I've got, had two kids in a private school. I was really focused on giving them the best education possible, and I did not see a reason for me to you know, sacrifice any of that or sacrifice too much of the budget for me to just do something that I didn't think was absolutely necessary. And that became difficult because some of these schools are very, very expensive. In fact, I think probably the average cost to get this doctorate degree was around $50,000. Now, if you're looking at a bachelor's degree or a master's degree, it's probably going to be less. But that's the average cost I was finding. That just to me was not uh, something in the cards, and I didn't really want to go into debt to do it. So I thought, well, maybe it's just not the time. And uh, about that time, my son's, uh, the quarterback at my son's high school had got a football scholarship at Liberty University. It's up in Virginia. It's a private Christian school. Uh, they are pretty heavily embedded in the online world. It's a huge campus. They have 15,000 students on campus, but they have a lot of students online. And because way back when, when all the school says, we're too special to be online, we're too elite, Liberty goes, we'll give it a shot. Well, of course, now everybody's online, but Liberty sort of is the OG in that world, and they've really fine-tuned it. And so they had a lot of degrees online. But when I called them about the doctorate degrees that I had uh, looked at online, they all required a MBA before. And they obviously offered to get for help me get my MBA first and then get the doctorate degree. That just wasn't something that I was that interested in. I wasn't really interested in leadership as regard to business, but more just in the overall strategy of leadership across the world. You know, how leadership can help help everything when it comes to it. And so about a year went by. And I was on their email list. And I was kind of given up because, once again, I couldn't find anything that would check those boxes. Cost, uh, online, and my interest. I mean, there were plenty of colleges that had the degree I wanted that would readily accept me. But it was a crazy amount of money. And about a year later, I'll never forget it. I was in a driveway at work. And my, I'm checking my email. And an email comes through from Liberty University. And they said, we've launched a new program, a doctorate in strategic leadership. I looked at the classes real quick, and it just seemed to be really something I was interested in. So I called them up, and I said, let me guess. You have to have an MBA. And they said, no, sir. You have to have a master's degree. You have to pass this entrance stuff. But uh, send us all your stuff. But there's no MBA required. And so I sort of set out on that journey. And pretty quickly on, I uh, found out that the cost for Liberty was much less, in it, much less expensive than other schools. And here's why. They put it, Liberty, I've got to give them a lot of credit. They will automatically give you a 25% discount if you're military, law enforcement, firefighter. It is, literally, it was as easy as uploading my commission card, and they said 25% scholarship right off the bat. And the other thing they let you do is they let you sort of pay as you go. So uh, that, to me, kind of, you know, was what made that appealing. So I just started. You know, I started in 2018, and I just took one class at a time. The way their classes are set up were eight-week classes, so I would, I would take two classes during a semester. This helped me in a number of ways. Now, you can take as many classes as you want, but if you're familiar with college these days, an eight-week class is double the work. So if you're taking two or three classes, you're a full-time student. 
And so I sort of looked at this, and of course I wanted to get this thing done quickly. But I thought, you know, if I, if I run out here and try to take all these classes and really tax myself, the odds of me finishing aren't real good. I, I think they told me there's a 50% failure rate in the doctorate program anyway. And I wanted to give myself the best chance possible to accomplish this. So I decided just to take one class at a time. In fact, I even took the summers off. Until I started my dissertation, I had the summers off. And that sort of helped me a lot because I'm working full time. I've got responsibilities there. Uh, I've got a family. They're busy. I've got a couple of business ventures. Everything is extremely, extremely busy. So if you're sitting back thinking to yourself, I'm too busy for this right now, I'm probably in a testament to tell you that uh, I was extremely busy. I, I am still extremely busy, but I can assure you this can be done, but you've got to be smart about it. So I decided to take one class at a time, just one at a time. And what ended up happening was, is I kind of got in a routine. I will admit to you, it was extremely difficult at first. I was not used to going to school. I was not used to opening up books. I was not used to writing long papers and all the stuff you have to do. If you're in a master's or bachelor's program, maybe it's studying for tests. But it took a, took a little bit to get used to it. But I would say after about six months, I kind of got a handle on it. And so what I was able to do is, uh, it was just a routine, you know. And if you're going to ask me how much time it took per week, that's a tough question because there were certainly weeks that I would spend 12 to 20 hours. But then there were weeks I would spend two to four hours, okay. So if I was to give you an average eight hours a week, right, eight hours a week. The interesting thing is I, we talked to Daniel Carr on his podcast. He got his law degree while he was in law enforcement. He kind of told me the same thing. I think he said it was about 12 to 20 hours a week going to law school. He was able to do it while he was still working because, and he just kind of built that time into his schedule. And that's exactly what I did. You know, I'd hit an hour or two when I got home from work. I'd hit an hour or two maybe in the morning before I went to work. Maybe I'd have to hit six hours on a Sunday, right? And then I just was getting it done. And it kind of got in a routine. I missed very little in my life. Uh, the Probably the biggest issue I have was my son was getting married. One of the biggest assignments I had in the entire program was leading up to that. And I literally worked up to the one hour point of my son's wedding day. I actually had my laptop at the venue and I was in the back up to the wedding getting that work in. But other than that, I can't really remember uh, anything that was that taxing. It was just a routine. Now, I got to the dissertation and that changed things a little bit. I spent almost a year on the dissertation, but that was more on my schedule. I mean, there are people that take two, three, four, five years on their dissertation. So I made the choice to accelerate that as quick as possible and got that done in a year, fortunately. Uh, but I can tell you it was very doable. And I could have certainly taken classes in the summer. Not a big deal. I think if I was to do it again, I would have probably taken one class in the summer and taken off five or six weeks in the summer. Because what I found out in the summer is when I was gone for those 16 weeks, coming back, it was tough to get used to it. So, But once I got in the routine... It was doable. Uh, going to school does not make me smarter. Uh, don't let people tell you that. All it does is school is a measurement as far as me goes, and I think for most people, it's a measurement of resilience, right? It's a measurement of grinding it out. Uh, so if you've got somebody trying to hire on and they've got a degree, well, all you really know about them isn't that they're that much smarter, but they're willing to finish something they start. And that, says, that does say something. You have to combine that, as I said earlier, with all the other things you ought to be looking at when you hire people. But to me, it's just a sign of resilience because it is 
you know, especially as an adult, there's a lot of things you could be doing other than going to school. And so it's really just a, a, a willpower at that point. So that is my story. Um, you're going to ask me, well, why'd you get the doctorate degree now? What are you going to do? Well, I'm really not doing anything different. Uh, you know, I've been teaching online for a number of years since I got my master's degree off and on. I've been an online professor at various schools. And I do that now for a school. But uh, and so, yeah, maybe it helps me in that area if I wanted to get more involved in higher education, which I don't think today I do. Uh, I, I don't like being that involved. I like teaching once in a while. I like being around kids and teaching a little bit. But as far as some sort of full-time tenured position or running some program, that's really not my interest. My interest was uh, just to learn as much as I could about leadership, uh, to try to pass that along to you, the audience, and the people that we teach in our seminars, and, and to, and to uh, see where that goes. And so uh, I'm very pleased it's over. Uh, I will say this, especially if you're looking at a doctorate program, uh, that's no joke. Uh, I didn't really put a lot of thought into it before I went. Uh, as far as the difficulty of it or the, the mental aspect of it, but it certainly is no joke. So if you know people out there that have gotten that degree, uh, and I've heard this before, well, you're going to be a doctor. You're not going to be a doctor. What's your, what are you going to call yourself? I don't get into that, but I would say this. If they want to be called a doctor, I would call them a doctor because, trust me, they've earned that, right? It was extremely, extremely a lot of work that went into it, although I think I did myself a favor by spreading that work out. It, it took me just, just shy of five years to complete it. And, uh, and I'm glad I did it. If I knew today what I knew then, would I do it again? I'm not sure. It was a lot of work. But, you know, at some point when you get into that work, you go, well, i got to finish it. I've got too much work in this. So I, I got about halfway through the program, and I thought, man, this is, this is a lot of work here. And even though I told you it was, you know, average 8, 12 hours or so, there's just weeks in your life where you don't have that time or you don't want to do that, right? So, uh, so I'm pleased I got it. I don't think it makes me a better person. It doesn't make me uh, any smarter. Uh, it, just, it's just, uh, it just makes me somebody that did it, and you know, it's just a resiliency thing, and it's a, it's a life test, right? If I can do that, I can do other things. So you, you, if, whatever reasons you're thinking about, if, you, if you've listened this far, you probably are interested in going back to school. Feel free to reach out to me. I'll be happy to, to uh, tell you more details of my experience. I encourage it. I think it's a good thing. Uh, but I don't think it's a necessary thing, right? I think if we're, if we're smart about this or we're, if I'm going to tell you the truth, I, you know, I, I much more care about what type of person somebody is. I'd rather you be kind than, uh, than to have a lot of education and be a jerk, right? So I think everybody would agree with that. But I'm more than happy to help you, uh, walk you through it. Uh, there are a lot of people uh, that, that I've talked to through the years that have gone to school because I've talked to them. That's why I wanted to record this to you. Maybe you run across this and it encourages you. Uh, but uh, feel free to reach out. I appreciate you listening. And remember, stay courageous and lead on. Thank you for listening to Courageous Leadership with Travis Yates. We invite you to join other courageous leaders at travisyates.org.